And the Bible says in verse 31 of the book of Acts, chapter number 4, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked, for as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of them of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet and distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles were surnamed Barnabas, which has been interpreted the son of consolation, the Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money, and laid it at the apostles' feet. I've been to a lot of churches. But I never learned that from the churches I went to. I learned of their social programs. I was amazed and overwhelmed at their organization. I was impressed with their architecture, their buildings, and their facilities. But I think there's some things a lot more important than organization, buildings, and budgets. I'd kind of like for us to go back. I can't even spell contemporary. I think maybe before I got saved 50 years ago, I don't think this is what I would be looking for when I went to church. But what's so frightening is many of us have been saved for years and yet this is not what we're looking for in a church. I'd like to talk to you for a little while about this church and I'm not having a nostalgia attack 
most generally we're wanting the good old days. We want things like it used to be. The trouble with probably things that used to be probably was not really what they used to be. You know, I, I, have, I have no complaints with air conditioning. I really don't. I have no, no complaints with being able to go to a wall and hit a little button and determine what temperature it is in my house. I don't have any problem with that. What I have a problem with is carrying in the coal, cutting the kindling, lighting the fire, taking out the ashes. Now that's what I have a problem with. I have no trouble getting in one of my trucks and hitting something and a noise erupts. Now what I have a problem with is when there's no noise erupts. That's why I have three trucks. That way one of them will start. Besides that, I like being in debt. Let's learn from the original. I want our church to be Christ's church, not our church. I want our church to be a Bible church. Uh, not a secular social situation. Notice, if you would please, I jotted down four things that we can learn from the original. Number one, they were satisfied with the Savior. It seems like we're living in a society that the more they get, the more they want. Amen? If they got a three-bedroom and two baths. Why does two people need four bedrooms and three baths? Unless you're like me, gets so old, you got to go quick. So you got one in every area of the house. <laughs> Amen. And they were satisfied with the Savior. Isn't it amazing? that when we get saved, uh, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory. I am completely satisfied with my Savior. I know that I do not need to work to get to heaven. I know I do not need to be baptized to get to heaven. I know I do not have to do anything to get to heaven. My Savior did it all. And I'm completely satisfied with my Savior. This church, the first church, the only church that Jesus started, they were satisfied with the Savior. Notice something else about this crowd. They were sustained by the Spirit. Verse 31. Now that's something we probably neglect, forget, and take for granted. That we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit of God can give us power and take away our fear and deal with our anxieties and help us through our situation. This church was more dependent upon the Holy Spirit than there was the counsel of the next door neighbor. 
How did they make it without social media? How did they, how did they keep from being so confused without social media? They were satisfied with the Savior. They were sustained by the Spirit. They were saturated with the Scriptures. Study to show thyself approved unto God a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thy word is a lamp and a light to my view. Tells me where to go. I'm looking for a church that is satisfied with the Savior, sustained by the Holy Spirit, saturated by the Scriptures, and bless your heart, was seeking after lost souls. I was so glad to know that our teenagers are personal soul winners that will get out there, nose to nose, eyeball to eyeball, knock those doors and tell people there's a place to gain and a hell to shun. Amen. Amen. Now, I want you to watch this. Because this church, the first church, was satisfied with the Savior and sustained by the Spirit saturated with the, with the scriptures and seeking after souls because of all of this. Notice verse 32. There's something very mysterious and mystical about this thing called the church. Watch this. And the multitude of them that believed, watch this, were of one heart, one soul, Watch this. Neither said any of them that's that's my parking place, that's my pew, that's my house, that's my money, those are my kids. None of them said that belongs to me. That's strange, isn't it? but they had all things common. There is a mystical unity to the Lord's church. Now you say, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. Well, now just wait just a minute. The Holy Spirit of God in verse 31 took charge. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, we've got quite a few folks here today. You're thinking I'm going to fall off here, but I'm not. I've got to hold that knob. Now, I don't know what John's full of, but I'll ask his wife right after the service. She'll tell me. I don't know what Brother Odell's full of today. I don't know what Brother Clint's full of today. Perhaps his cares and his issues and his demands are completely different. Now I know Brother Odell don't think like Brother John. 
<laughs> See what I mean? We need revival. <laughs> need starting the balcony. And I know Brother Clint don't think like them. Brother Josh Lackey, he don't even think. <laughs> and if you know Brother Jay, he's different from everybody else. But something magic, something absolutely unexplainable takes place when the Holy Spirit of God takes over. And John and Sean and Josh and Clint could not be any more different. But yet when the Holy Spirit of God does a work in their heart, there's a, a mystery kind of unity that takes place. That crowd in Acts chapter number two, it says there were Egyptians there were Jews, there were Romans, and there were all kinds of folk there that were raised in different customs, that ate different foods, that drank different, be I mean, you say, preacher, Baptists don't drink. You don't think I'm so stupid to say that, do you? Just they don't drink on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. <laughs> What's this? What's this? What kind of church are you looking for? I'm looking for the kind of church that the Holy Spirit of God can take a picket and a Sean and an Andrew and a Jim. and a Davenport who's raised differently, taught differently, think differently, have their own ideas, and God can blend them together in a mystic kind of unity. You understand that? That's what the Holy Spirit does. You, you, you only get that from the Lord. You see, things that used to divide folk, when the Holy Spirit of God takes over, those differences become so insignificant. And all things become common. It's not mine. It's not yours. It's his. Do you understand that? We're not all air conditioning men and we're not all entrepreneurs and we're not all great singers and we're not all great hunters. We're just all need to be full of God. And that puts us all on a level playing field. What kind of church are you looking for? 
Do you know in 33 years, 32 years, we've never had a no vote on anything at Joshua Baptist Church? We've never had a fight. We've never had a split. Now we've had splinters every week. But that's the result of my preaching. I can't up again preach any better than I can. But because this church was satisfied, sustained, saturated, and serving the Holy Spirit mystically blended it together. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Selfishness took back seat to the Savior. And satisfaction was found in sacrifice and service. What a wonderful, wonderful church it must be. And they had all things common that's the kind of church I'm looking for. The kind of church where there's no big dogs or little dogs. We're just all in the same kennel because we've been saved by grace. Amen. My daddy said years ago, one more curl in a pig's tail didn't make any more pork. Our degrees, our accomplishments, our assets, our liabilities. The cars we drive don't make us. It's what God is doing in our heart that makes us. I want the kind of church that kind of looks like the original. Is that okay with you? one that has that mystic kind of unity. Of course, our church is so big, if you're mad at somebody, you can sit in a balcony and you'll never know. Now, that don't mean everybody in the balcony is mad. <laughs> except one. I work hard at keeping her mad. Notice, because... They were satisfied, sustained, saturated, and seeking and serving. There was a mystic kind of unity, verse 32. Not only there was a ministerial unity in verse number 33. Verse number 33, the Bible says, watch this. And I'm well aware that I've got eight minutes left. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. Verse 31 says, and they spake the word of God with boldness. A mystic unity, but a ministerial unity. A unity of purpose. What is the purpose of the church. The church that you're looking for, the church that you're wanting God to lead you to, what is your idea of the purpose of the church? 
the commission of the church is go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, if you want a social cover, I think the YMCA is free. They got gyms everywhere now, you know. I, I, I walk by so many gyms, I feel like I'm in shape by just walking by all the gyms. The church is not a party. The church was put here by the Lord Jesus Christ to share the good news that Jesus saves. Amen? Everything else has got to be secondary at the church. And we do everything in the world. You can imagine we have a worldwide radio station in the church. We broadcast every single hour of the day gospel music around the world. We've been doing that for years. Uh, we live stream all of our services. We got so many ministries. I'm confused. I don't even know which one I'm supposed to be involved in. But I have not forgotten the purpose for Joshua Baptist Church. Now we want to help you in your, in your family relations. We want to create a place, an environment for your kids to be raised. And this is a good place to raise kids. It's a wonderful place to raise kids. But I do not ever want to get sidetracked. Our purpose is to share the good news that Jesus saves. And this church was unified around that purpose and the purpose necessitated the church being unified in prayer and the Bible says in verse 31, and when they had prayed, notice what happened. It resulted in revival and they had great power and great grace was upon the church. And because they prayed and because they were unified and had great power and grace, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, 3,000 folk got saved. Acts chapter 3, an invalid man laying by the temple got saved and got healed. And in Acts chapter 4, 5,000 got saved. See, David was often quoted by Dr. Luke as he wrote the book of Acts. And David said this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Joshua Baptist Church should have one heart because that's all the hearts one body needs. Joshua Baptist Church should have one soul. Well, how does the church have a soul? The Bible said that Adam was laid out on the ground and everybody could walk by and look at Adam and say, hey, that's Adam. Have you met Adam? But there was no life. And then the Bible said God breathed into Adam the breath of life and he became what? A living soul. Our reason for living, our purpose for being, our heart is one. Our message is one. 
Our way is one, and he is the way. And our Savior is one. Our salvation is one. Our heaven is one. And there's one body and one commission. Thank God we don't have to get confused about what the church is supposed to be doing. The average church reminds me of the fellow who visited the insane asylum. I don't know why we cut them out. I know a lot of folk that need to go with me there. A man was visiting the insane asylum and he was overwhelmed at 300 inmates and only three guards. And the man who was visiting the insane asylum said, well, aren't you afraid with that few guards and that many inmates that the inmates will get together and overrun the inmates and escape? And the guards said, no, we're not worried about that all because lunatics never unite. (laughs) He said, locusts do. Christians should. And if we don't, we don't have a church. Not Christ's church. See, the original had a mystic unity, had a ministerial unity. All of us, one heart, one soul, one purpose, one goal. Amen? Amen. Amen. And I'm going to touch a, a kind of sensitive spot. I remember a little boy came to Mama and says, Mama, Johnny kicked me in the stomach. Mama went to Johnny and said, Did you kick him in the stomach? He said, yes, but he ought not have turned around. (laughs) Now don't turn around on me. I'm going to try to help you. There was a materialistic unity. They had all things common. Nobody in the congregation said, that's mine. You said, now, preacher, you're on Sunday morning. Y'all, I'll be talking about this. Verse 34. Neither was there any among them that lacked. For as many as were possessors of land or houses sold them, brought the prices the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. And distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. I'm not going to open the invitation after a while to everybody to bring the deeds to their house and the pink slip to their cars if they're paid for. I'm not doing that at all. 
Could I talk to you just a minute about the most dangerous ism in America? It's not socialism. It's not terrorism. It's not liberalism. What is it? What is it we deal with on a regular basis? It's materialism. You know that stuff that's mine. Keep your hands off my stuff. I got my stuff locked up. I've even got cameras on my stuff. Well, most folk pay more for the cameras than the stuff was worth. I don't need your stuff. But the most dangerous ism in our land is not racism, not isolationism. Jesus warned us of the danger of materialism. Matthew 6, 19, verse 34, he tells us if we're not careful, materialism will steal our heart and control our heart because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Is that what he said? He also warned that it hindered spiritual light. He says the light of the eye, the light of the body is the eye. If thy eye be single, then thy whole body is full of light. But if thy eye be double, then thy body is full of darkness. And how dark is the darkness. See, terrorism does not squelch your spirituality. Liberalism will not even squelch your spirituality. Socialism will not necessarily, but materialism will. See, I don't have to wrestle with socialism and I don't have to wrestle with terrorism. The only terror I've got is grown now. But you know what I have to wrestle with every day? Me. Mine. You said, don't bother me. Well, you got another problem. It's called lying. Hmm? Materialism masters, Jesus said, and enslaves us if we allow it. He said, no man can serve two masters. He will love one, hate the other. He will cling to one, flee from the other. No man can serve two masters. Materialism, we all deal with it. In fact, some folk won't come to church because preachers tries to sever that relationship between money and Jesus. And when I preach on money, they say, well, you make me mad preaching about money. Well, I'm talking about their God. They talk about my God, I'll get mad at it. So you're, you're allowed to do that. But I'm not here to try to lift you of your money. I'm trying to 
get you to see that when your money's gone, God's still going to be there. And you may have driven a Cadillac to the parking lot today, and you may be privileged enough to ride one to the graveyard. But that's where you're going to leave it. You understand what I'm talking about? Jesus warned against materialism over and over and over again. He said it'll dim spiritual light. He will master and enslave you. He will rob the love that only belongs to God and it will control your heart and it will also produce worry and anxiety. If your faith is in your bank account, And not God. If your bank account is no bigger than mine, it ain't going to get you out of very much trouble. In fact, it might get you into trouble. But thank the Lord, God can get you out of your trouble. I wish I had time. First Peter, I mean First Timothy six. They that will be rich fall into divers temptations, and many foolish hurts and drowns men in perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil. That's why the prophet Habakkuk said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. And the Holy Spirit came upon this bunch of Jews and Egyptians and Arabians and on and on and on and so mystically unified them and gave them one purpose and one goal it even, it even severed that godlike relationship that they had with materialism. You know, my house is paid for. But the way things are looking, it's going to belong to somebody else one of these days. And they'll have to start all over again making payments on something that I've already paid for. You getting a drift slick? I said, all right. Oh, the foolishness and the folly of fickle, faithless Christians who have their faith and the God of junk. And folks who dive to the bottom of materialism usually come up with more gravels than they do jewels. And problems more than solutions. And all of God's people said, I wish I'd have been there today. I'd just like to leave this with you. 
What we need, not only in our church, but in America, is an old-fashioned revival that will redefine ownership. Who owns it all? And when I'm gone, somebody else will drive the 68 Camaro and the 82 model Ford with a 350 Chevrolet engine in it. Somebody else will hunt my dogs, use my rifles, drive my trucks, when actually they must not be mine. They must be somebody else's who's merely letting me enjoy them while I'm traveling through this old weary land. And all of God's people said, the kind of church I want is the kind of church that is unified in purpose, one in unity, one in caring, and one in sharing. If I was looking for a church today, I would look for one that didn't argue and fuss and fight all the time about what color you're going to paint the nail in the primary department. I think I'd be looking for a church that cared about lost sinners dying and going to hell. But by the fuel and the upkeep for Buses, and televisions, radio stations, and any other thing else, we get the gospel out. I wouldn't be afraid to share what God has given us with somebody else. I'm so glad that we're going to do the back to school deal. 250. I think it is backpacks, lunch, parents, sharing. But there's one thing about it. We don't give stuff away without we share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. How many remember when we gave 100 bicycles away? Dear Lord, I never seen so many bicycles in all my life. Tricycles and bicycles. Somebody said, preacher, you're stupid for doing that. I'll not argue with you about that. But it was so nice watching those families bring their little kids and getting a brand new bicycle for Christmas. Sure was. What was exciting about me to me was is that everybody took one of those bicycles, heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Several years ago, we sent a Bible, King James Bible, to every house in Joshua. Said it didn't do any good. We got one guy. He's not very smart. He's my friend. We sent him a Bible. He's been coming to church now for I don't know how long. 
I think if Bibles cost us like half a million dollars, he ain't worth that. <laughs> Nothing did. One in sharing. Let's go back to the original. Amen. I don't think this crowd had any trouble coming to church on Sunday night. I don't think they grabbed about coming on Wednesday. We might need a revival. 